This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharudin. You're tuned into the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Tugunagara, or the National Monument, plays a significant role in commemorating the country's struggle for freedom during the war and the emergency. Did you know that after it was completed in 1966, the monument was then partially destroyed on the 26th of August 1975 by the communists? Obviously, once that happened, the government decided that the next course of action was to repair and restore it back to its original state. A job ad was put out and Christopher Carney, an Australian sculptor who was then working in ITM as an art lecturer, tried his luck. He got a job and decided to get three of his students to help him out. They are Abdul Mufti Jantan, Abdul Mansur Ibrahim and Zulkifli Maulana. They worked on the project together and in 1977, the monument was fully restored back to its original condition. Soon after that, due to circumstances, they all parted ways. Christopher returned to Australia and Mufti moved to America. Recently, 46 years later, they reunited with Christopher and Mufti coming back to Malaysia to reminisce about their efforts. In between that, they managed to drop by our studio to share their experiences working on the monument. Here's our conversation. I'm Abdul Mansur Ibrahim. Yeah. I'm Mufti Jantan. I'm Chris Carney. And I'm Zulkifli Maulana. Okay, thank you so much for joining me, everyone. Um, so you guys are part of the group that was, I guess, tasked with the effort to actually help restore Tugu Negara, right? So, um, Christopher, maybe this first question can can be directed to you first. Um, I understand that you were the person that were given the task to actually um, help restore Tugu Negara. How did you find out about the this, this job, actually? Oh, well, it was a matter of... Um public interest, I suppose, in the newspaper that um, the uh, monument had been bombed and I saw that. That's how I came to know of it. And um, I felt that it, I was um, well qualified to to uh, make an approach to the Prime Minister's Department and the Restoration Fund Committee to um, apply for that uh, position of uh, re- restoring the monument. And uh, so that's how I got uh, involved with it. It was like that. Very simple, really. Mm. What was the process like? Did you have to actually have to send your CV, your application and things like that? No, not at all. I um, uh, approached the committee with a proposal that I, um, that I restore the monument. That was done through Mara Institute of Technology at the time. And uh, they uh, helped considerably in that process by giving me the time away from my lecturing duties at the time to complete that uh, project for the National Monument. Hmm. At that time, did you recognise the the scale of, of the task on hand at the time? Um, well, yes and no, I, I suppose, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I'll tell you why I say that, because um, recently I reviewed a lot of the photographs I'd taken uh, prior to restoration And and I was actually quite shocked to see how badly damaged it was. It was a big revelation for me. I guess when you're young, I was only about 26 or 27 at the time, and uh, you're indestructible and you can do anything, which, of course, we all know now in retrospect is not really true, but at the time that's how I felt. So, as I say, look, reviewing those photographs recently, I was quite uh quite shocked really <laughs> to, uh-huh. to see what the real situation was Alright, okay. so once you've gotten the job what made you decide to pick Mansour Mufti and Zulkifli to help you out? Well they were all um, Mara ex-students and students at the time and as no one had ever 
rebuilt a bombed monument before. I wasn't able to put an ad in the post saying, saying that uh, requesting the service of people that had experience with bombed monuments because <laughs> such people didn't exist. And I chose these people because I basically knew that the job was going to require a lot of immediate problem solving as you went along. And I needed people that could do that, could problem solve. It didn't need me looking over the shoulder every five minutes because it simply wasn't going to be the case. It wasn't going to be possible to do that. Mm. So they did a fantastic job on their own, largely, because I wasn't I wasn't even on the monument every single day because I still had my teaching job to do as well. Mm. So there were... I can probably ask Mufti, he'll remember how many days per week I spent on the monument. I think it was probably three or four days a week um, of the working week and then weekend as necessary to do that. Mm. And so I just how I needed people that could work on their own and that could work unsupervised or supervised themselves, in other words. I see, yeah. Were these three, you know, some of your best performing students then or did, what kind of qualities did they display that, you know, made you pick them out of, you know, all, all your other students? Well, as I say, I needed people that could think for themselves and they're capable of working unsupervised and could problem solve. And I knew these people could fill that uh, requirement and they did. Mm, all right. Okay. So Mansoor, Zulkifli, and Mufti, uh, once you've, I guess, gotten the offer from from um, Christopher to actually help out with with this task, uh, what were your, I guess, uh, feelings then? <laughs> once you found out that you you were given this, I guess, task to help Christopher out. Let's start with Mansoor. <laughs> okay. Uh, the beauty about this project is, it was uh, the f- first job that we uh, getting after graduation. Mm. That's the beauty of it. And then before Chris get the, I mean, he got the whole project, we have to go for the bidding in the process, yeah? as we, we discussed last time. We have to survey all those foundry, everything, and then that is the before project time, pre. And then during the project, I stayed only for a few months, and then I have to leave the project. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Yeah. Mufti, what about you? Yeah. I was overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> overwhelmed in such a way that, you know, it's not easy to get a job as a mm-hmm. fine artist back then. Secondly is that this is a kind of so monumental a job is. And I was wondering, did Chris get the right person? <laughs> Because while we were at ITM, we never knew actually how to build a structure Monument such as that. You see, this is monument. It's so huge that when you were in the studio and then when you go out of that place and look at the monument itself, it's almost seven, six to seven times the size of our human size. That was the one that really overwhelmed me. And the question comes again, whether or not I can do it. But deep in my mind, I, yes, I can do it. You give me a job, I will do it, you see. And fair enough. I got it and all of us did it very well. Mm. And that's the thing if you want to ask me. Mm. And secondly, when Chris took me in, I said, okay, Chris, are you challenging me, challenging me? <laughs> or whatever, I say. But fair enough, he knows what my, my quality of work is, uh, my dedication to the job, all this kind of thing. He knew me in that sense. Mm. All right. Yeah. Zuki, what about you? The moment I step in, I really feel it. This is the job that I'm looking for because uh, I would rather speak in Bahasa Malaysia. Yeah, uh, 
bila I terlibat I tak ada masalah sebab I fresh graduate kan hmm. bila fresh graduate I cuma sambung apa yang I belajar di college hmm. cuma dalam bentuk 3D kalau dalam masa di college I was majoring in painting hmm. so sekarang tukar The 3D, uh, the two two dimension to 3D, no problem. I really enjoy it. And kebetulan, my father was a ex-veteran. Eh? So, the, the moment I touch the Tugu Negara, I, I always, in my mind, my father. I do it for my father. And true enough, dia datang melawat ke Tugu Tapak Project tu dan it is... You know, how, how do you feel when your father value your work? And yeah. dia, dia berbesar hati anak dia buat sesuatu yang berkaitan dengan perjuangan dia dahulu. Eh? Mm. Yeah, setakat itu. Okay. I, I see. Yeah. Okay. So, so, I mean, to be fair, it was your first job, right? I mean, based on what you said, so that was your literally your first job after right after you graduated, right? Let so, me correct that. Eh? Yeah. Uh, first job, no. Mm. For me. Mm. Uh, because I, 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 I was... Teaching back then, ah. before that, before before, before going into ITM, I was a teacher. <coughs> oh, okay. A temporary teacher for that matter. Right. Okay. <laughs> Just waiting for our result to come out. Mm. Very as you know, okay. being a temporary teacher at in Johor Bahru. Okay. Then, but the job between being a temporary teacher as well as being a tugu peringatan apa restorer is totally different, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's a uh, to answer your question. That was not my job my first job but it is my second job and you can ask Manso I, th- I don't know whether you also <laughs> your second job or what yeah second job uh, there uh, you are before, before joining <laughs> ITM uh, uh, I see. See. but I mean the first job after graduation of from ITM right uh, yeah. I see alright All right. okay so uh, walk me through the process of actually restoring to Gunagara what was it like okay so I think I uh, mean Christopher you're obviously the, the person in charge uh, with um, three of your I guess um, soldiers I suppose to help you out with these things uh, so uh, Let's talk about the damage first. You know, um, how badly damaged was the uh, monument, actually? Uh, well, I suppose you could say that it was quite extensively damaged. And what, what the, um, the perpetrators did at the time, they put 23 charges of explosives and strategically placed on the monument to destroy the whole thing. But they, they didn't calculate on the bronze being a, a relatively soft material, not like a cast iron, for example, which would just shatter. The bronze was able to ex, uh, absorb a lot of the energy of the explosion and it didn't do quite what they wanted to do, but it did a lot of damage and it brought one of the statues down to the ground, which is what they were trying to do, and um, it damaged a lot of the others. It, there were, our biggest problem was that there were parts missing. Uh, it was blown to pieces, so there might be a whole section that just wasn't there anymore. And so the problem we had, or the biggest problem we had, was realigning everything. So we had to place one part in space in its correct relationship to another part and then reconstruct the centre. That was the, the most difficult part. But these guys all became very, very good at doing that and I don't think they had any real problem. Yeah, I think <laughs> speaking of damage, I would just use the word extensive damage. We are talking about at least between 70 to 80% of the monument was damaged mm. with all those, what do you call that, mm, some of the figures went down on the ground and all kind of debris 
when we came in, lots of debris everywhere. You see, that you can you know that then then that it is extensive and there's a big job for us to do mm. that I know of. Mm. Um, how many percent of it um, of the debris that that was there uh, was usable, or did you have to actually reconstruct everything from the ground up? No, basically everything that was lying around the place was scrap metal. Scrap and metal. The reason because it was distorted. It wasn't its original shape anyway, and we didn't really know where all the parts came from. It was yeah. impossible to say. There's nothing we can do about it. No. It's just pieces of metal scattered everywhere. Uh, you don't know which piece of that metal can break from the hand, yeah. the head, or whatever. Is it? Uh, so that <laughs> right? means that you have to actually reconstruct everything from 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 the ground up. I suppose you have to. I think I think right, find new materials to actually replace all these parts. Yeah, that were we did. We imported. Um, bronze material from the um, uh, London metal market actually mm -hmm. and in order to get the right kind of bronze with a quite uh, the right uh, mixture of metals we had to have the um, metal analysed. Uh, I think that the chemistry department did that for us I can't quite remember now. Yeah. Munson might know and, um, and they analysed it and from that we, we found out we knew that it was a metal known as LG3 Mm. And so with that formula, LG3, we're able to approach the London metal market. And so we need a whole lot of this stuff, not a little bit, but a lot. <laughs> and uh, they sent out from England. And uh, that was part of the um, process of getting ready to, to do the job. Yeah. And in, in the job itself, we did over 100 separate bronze castings. And Which, also, uh, speaking of that, uh, that's where I believe creativity comes in. Mm. Uh, because... Whatever the flying object has already got blown out, that's a question by itself. But when we want to restore the whole pro, uh, uh, figure, that's where an, a sculptor who is good in, what do you call that, figure drawing, anatomy, anatomy must understand that. Without that, uh -uh, forget it. <laughs> Because a good example, show me your arm. This part, you see. How am I going to construct that? All the pieces are gone, you see that you can see. Mm. And then the only thing that we can do is that when we look at the, your hand and we look at the figure, uh, Chris also made the point of getting old photograph from that. Mm. So based on that old photograph and the new arm that we have, which is being, uh, what you call almost hollow mm. in terms of that, mm. then we patch it. By patching it, that's where creativity comes in again. Ah, uh, I see. So uh, how, how much you are you going to patch it in? And then there is also the technique of doing it. Not knowing the technique, you will not uh, be doing a good work because you, especially when we deal with pattern, can pattern it? What do you call that? When Under, you cannot undercut. pull it, huh? undercut. the undercut. Oh, yeah. You have uh, undercut short can uh, Mansour can explain to you. Okay. If yeah. you don't know undercut, you put the uh, the pattern there. Then start. when it's done, you cannot pull it out. See? <laughs> ah, uh, I see. Mansour can just explain yeah, that. Yeah, can you uh, just share a bit about yeah. that? The undercut is quite tricky because it's all round. You know, sometimes. You miscalculate it, you know? and then when you prepare the pattern, and then you cannot remove it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, by, by right, you uh, should be able to remove it, then only you can cast the pattern. Yeah, yeah. But if you cannot pull it, it's over. You have to cut yeah. it all over again. <laughs> okay. Okay. And you guys were doing actually all this without any access to the original blueprint of, uh, of how the... No, we was. don't have no, any no, blueprint. No, no. Ah, no blueprint. It didn't exist. That is the one that we... Uh, thinking of blueprint, I think that's one that we really what you call that, meet the objective that we want to do. Mm. Even though without a blueprint, mm. we are able to accomplish what we did accordingly to the original 
taste of work. Mm, uh. All right. So from the process of actually analyzing the damage to actually sourcing the material and uh, I guess working on. Um, Finding out the anatomy and whatnot, you know, and trying to, I guess, find a, a way to sculpt it again properly. It took you guys around one one year, right? If I'm not mistaken, uh, how long did the process of analyzing everything and ordering the materials um, um, to come? How long did that take before you, you guys were eventually able to actually start like physically working on the sculpture? Um, I think there was about five months of preliminary works, which include not only gathering together the materials and hiring these fellows to do the job mm. but also we had to have a workshop built which was built right on site right next to the monument actually mm. and um, equipping that with various tools that we needed uh, all of that preliminary build up took five months and, and also uh, for that matter uh, four or five months that is part of the uh, what they call preliminary work that we have to do mm. but also bear in mind that uh, there are other companies who wanted to be in that group For instance, when we want to use arc welding, gas welding, the gas rod from MOL want to to sell it to us. Asia Oxygen want to sell it to us. So we have to do all those you know testing from them. Mm. Same thing with the arc welding. And then again, other companies also want to go into it to sell their material. That also take a lot, uh, quite a lot of time so mm. that we can do whatever is necessary to get the right company to work with us or to sell the product to us. Mm. So how many percent of the work was done on site and did you have to, have to actually, I guess, do the work elsewhere as well? Or, I mean, you set up a, a, a workshop of sorts next to the, to the site, but did you guys have to also do work elsewhere or everything is done on site? No, we... we um sent work out to two different foundries which did the actual casting work. Uh, so we would uh, make the patterns, we would send the patterns to the workshop, to the foundry, and they would send the bronze back and then we would complete the work in that way. And we uh, used uh, Kraft Tangan in uh, East Coast to do most of the work, mm. and uh, which necessitated us driving the patterns right across the country to the foundry that then did the bronze work and then bringing the ones that already cast, bringing those back. And then we'd work on putting those uh, bronze pieces in the monument and making more patterns, which then we would drive across the country and <laughs> repeat the process. And that uh, trip across the country was uh, conducted uh, by myself and by Mufti, Who we had a Land Rover given to us by Jay Carr at the time, and um, we we uh, used it quite extensively to run that. Yes, back well, for that. Also, uh, the question is easy for that. Mm. To me, when when you ask about that, majority of the majority of the work are done, were done on site. Mm. About 20% of the work, the foundry's job. Mm. So we, we we had two foundries, one in Tengganu, which is Kraftangan Mara Tengganu, mm. and the other one is Sungai Besi Tengganu. Mm. Uh, so, sorry, Sungai Besi uh, Foundry. Mm. So whatever works, I will done there. Now at our site, only the casting done in the foundry. Oh. I think that's what answered the question, oh, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Quite right. And you guys were all involved in actually welding and putting everything back together, right? Or did you guys have okay. other crew members? Okay, you want me to answer that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Most of the welding, in fact, just about all the welding was done by the uh, JKR people. Mm -hmm. And we had, we were the core rebuilds of the monument. But in addition to us, there were others as well. Mm -hmm. And we brought in people from Kraft, um, 
some say JKR again, uh, and we had JKR workers on site pretty much all the time, mm-hmm. welding and doing that sort of work. And, and, uh, and for that issue, uh, you can help me also with that. Uh, we thought JKR is difficult for us also. Yeah. Mm. Because as far as welding is concerned, only Chris knew. We, the three of us, that do not, <laughs> did not know anything about welding. What is gas welding? What is our welding? Zero here. Okay. But when they, uh, that's why the car people came in and helped us. Technically, they're so good. Yeah. You, you have to mention that. They are very, very good gas welder as well as arc welder. Mm. But they also have their limit. Mm. Their limit is that they can do all kind of good welding. But when it comes to patterning it balik semula, huh? want to do it the shape that you want from my, your hand, uh, that's where our job is. Chasing. Uh, to finish. Yeah. You you can answer that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh-huh. I think you call it chasing or what? Chasing, right? yeah. yeah. We do the chasing. chasing. The finishing. Uh-huh. All right, so, so the finishing part of the work is... is come back to us. Come back to us. They do the welding. Uh-huh. And then we do the the patterning, whatever is Finishing. Kalau nak nampak urat, that's us. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. Okay. We went to the monument today, actually, <laughs> and... I had the opportunity to have a really good look around and I said to the fellows here, I said, I can't see what we did. We cannot see where we repaired that monument. Mm. And I think, for me, that's the greatest thing out because you can't see it. You would not know that monument's been damaged. You would think it's original. And I'm thinking that's a great accolade mm. to these three men here <laughs> that they did that so well. Mm. And you guys did this while juggling your full, your day jobs as well, right? Yeah. For you specifically, you still have to teach. What about yeah, the three yeah, of you? Do you guys okay. still have a day job then? I told him, you mm. see, you have to come here at least twice a week. Regardless <laughs> 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 whether you're teaching or not, you come here. But beyond that, I will take care of it. But he has to be there. Okay. Because technically, he, he is the one who's going to teach us also. Mm. Uh, this is this process actually is a learning process for us also. Mm. It is a hands-on, you see. And we learn a lot from that anyway. Yeah, it's some sort of open lab. Yeah. Us. What about you, Joy? What do you think of that then? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Nak kata susah sangat tu, tak tak susah buat kerja tu. Because uh, we, are, we are skilled, we are professionally trained. Walaupun bidang di bidang lain, mm. tapi kita boleh absorb, kita boleh nampak nampak bentuk-bentuk tu. Kalau kalau orang yang tak ada artistic uh, sense dia tak tinggi, dia tak nampak urat-urat tu dekat mana, crack tu dekat mana. Mm. Tapi we got no problem on that. It's by nature, by our nature. Mm. And then uh, kalau macam Chris cakap tadi, uh, kita sendiri bila melawat tunggu kita, kita sendiri tak ingat kat mana part mana yang kita repair ha. yang kita patch because you was blind fantastically alright so you you guys use the uh, photos as reference you don't have access to the blueprint um, were there any parts of the monument that that you guys perhaps were I guess decided that maybe it's okay to do a bit of adjustments of sorts like maybe like doesn't have to be say, stay 300% true to the original monument but something that you guys perhaps think that oh okay maybe this one can can you know you can perhaps I guess 
change things up just a little bit. Yeah. Objectively, no. We are going whatever it is, we, oh. it has to remain as original. That's mm. right. Simple as that. Mm. That is our 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 basic uh, principle. Mm. Basic, basic basic premise. Right. Don't change anything mm. regardless okay. of whatever it is. However, if there are certain part of the to go uh, features that need to be altered or whatever it is, we have to make sure that the anatomy Uh, uh, side of it is correct, mm. but what we came across as Kani was a John or Joy, we never came across with that. Only one thing that you did, remember, that you have to put the crossbar. Uh, it's an alteration, uh, mm-hmm. one alteration that I made to the monument, which was a uh, a stay, if you like, and I put a stay from one figure to another to stop the wind from moving it because it was moving slightly in the wind, and. In the short term, of course, that wouldn't matter. But I'm thinking of the long term, fifty um, years, sixty years, hundred years, and you might get. It's possible, I suppose, to get uh, work hardening in the metal, mm-hmm. and a fracture might occur. But that would not have occurred for a long, long time. But I put that stay in there anyway, just to balance it. And it's uh, well, it's still there. And the stay is still there. I found it today, walking around that look at it. But just going back to the uh, welding part of it again. The welding wasn't so straightforward as you might think. It wasn't a matter of you put a part in and take out weld it, and we finished off with a grinder. It was um, somewhat more difficult than that because we had to check every weld for cracking, and we did this with a dye penetrant, which we sprayed onto the area. Mm. Then we used a developer on that to, to bring out whether any cracks or not. And if there was a crack, we had to identify that, and then get our welder to come back and redo that section. And that happened many times. And it's understandable because the casting, the original casting was subject to such stresses during the explosion that it was certain to have cracks here and there that you wouldn't initially see. But I think we tracked down, (laughs) we tracked down every crack there was, I think. And I think that the fact that it stands there today and, and we all agreed that it really looks good, that it's nearly 50 years since we did it, mm. I think we think we must have got most of the cracks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> did you realise the cracks, Chad? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Don't agree. Yeah. Because of the two, because we had the dye, right? Yeah, yeah. Spray right. the dye and then we can see clearly. Can detect. And also the pattern that we did. Mm. Yeah, the foundry, yeah, that's sure. not, you know, yeah, sure. some, some, of the fund, uh, some of the work from the foundries, we can see what it calls pore. Porous sometimes. Porous, yeah. you see, ada lubang-lubang. Ah. Uh, that is a no-no. It's just if you had your engine block, your car, engine block shouldn't have any of those pores. Mm. It has to be solid. And so pores. that's kita punya ni. That's what it's all about. Yeah, so how much, so I mean, based on hearing what you guys have been telling me, I feel like it's, you know, if you were to put it into ratio, it's it's maybe 50% technical, 50% artistry, right? Or is it like, you know, what, what, what would be the ratio, right, in terms of, I guess, combining your technical knowledge and your, I guess, artistic view of, of I guess, doing the tasks, yeah? That's very hard to say, actually. It's, um, it was a unique job, put it that mm. way. Mm. It's not something that you come, come across every day and it's something, not something that you will find a person who's experienced in. So when we put it all back together, it took us a year, just over a year actually, um, the percentage was one way or the other. It's a bit hard to say. It was, um, yeah. I don't know. So, <laughs> after answer to that question, I'll just say 
Uh, 40 not accounting all those huge JKR train coming up is it that is another 5% there uh, uh, in order to lift that up and to, to re-erect all the sweater but technically yes at least 40% we need the technical skill to do that alright and 60% are all from our creativity our artistic ability and beyond that Mm, all right. Yeah. So it's a simple answer for that. I think. All right. What are some of the other challenges that you face while working on this on this task? Okay. On this let, let me give to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Masa tu kita baru. To me is my first job. Kan. So memang kita start dari zero. Anak kita gaji tu. Cukup makan lah. So it's quite a challenge for us. Sebab Daripada tempat kediaman kami tu ke, ke site, kita kena ambil bas. Lepas tu daripada bas stesen jalan kaki pergi daripada KL Town itself, jalan kaki ke tu negara. No, tak ada bas-bas pendek-pendek ni. Ha, kan, masa tu tak ada kan. Uh, and then we, we also having a problem of makannya because the area tak ada gerai-gerai makan ni tak ada at that time. So what we do, we went to uh, dengan Cik Mufti masa tu, kita beli, uh, you know, cheese, cheese, uh, layer cheese tu. Apa dia panggil tu? Cheese tu. Cheese slices tu. Uh, cheese slices tu. And then we, we stock up in the, dalam uh, dalam kita bank studio tu ada satu peti ais. So kita simpan dalam tu. And then kita bawa roti je lah. Yeah. That is our lunch tu mm. That is our breakfast Our lunch And then balik petang Gini lah yeah. Simply put Survival for the fittest <laughs> <laughs> Can I Am I correct or I'm wrong I don't know yeah. But yes when come, To be honest with you guys kan When we got a job Number one is that we got a job We can survive With the talent that we have Then we scramble On whatever we had itu saja. And John, what do you believe then? Yeah, I do because we are still young. <laughs> yeah. And everything is good as yeah. long as we get yeah. a job. The job is the most important actually. Mm. Then come to our creativity or whatever it is. You see. I mean, it's good that you you are you have a job to do. Uh-huh. But did you ever feel the pressure of actually working on this project? And that applies to you as well, Christopher. Like that there is the, is there a pressure to actually make sure that you guys get this done perfectly actually there's no, no pressure no, us, no, 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 not no, at no. all pressure mm. no. no I don't think we had or felt any real pressure from the very earliest of times in the project we were very confident of what we're doing and we knew that there's no doubt we're going to finish it and finish it properly um, the time was a little bit vague perhaps we in fact I was the one that said 12 months to finish the job and in fact we finished in just over 12 months 12 months and one week I think it was uh, which is um, I think that shows that we were very confident and quite competent in what we did and also about that uh, this is something that is a joke but not a joke actually uh, you will laugh over it okay uh, when I got a job actually I also want to prove to my dad that I can do it you know why When I applied for ITM school, of that time is applied art, and he was telling straight on the face, Mufti, are you going to be a popper? <laughs> are you going to be a bohemian? <laughs> so I just kept quiet and went through. Then when I came out, there you are, I proved to you. <laughs> uh, it took personally, yeah? Mm. Uh, okay. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, what about the others? Uh, how did your family react, uh, or yeah, your, the people around you react uh, after you've completed the work? And and I guess to a certain extent, yeah, considering the the monumental uh, scale of it, yeah. Oh. I mean, obviously they are shocked and proud. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only word I can express. <laughs> what about you, Mr. Kipling? Your, your father, how did he react? I, my father is a bit artistic. Uh. He 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 is very artistic. He did uh, wood carving, and you know, I actually I kajikachi eh. Ada memang art is part of my life. You know, bila kita jalan-jalan kecil-kecil, eh, kita ada sarapan. I, ada satu ketika tu, I pegang satu clay tu. I main clay pasal I kecil lagi tau. Uh. I buat piring lah, buat cawan lah, buat ular lah, you know, that kind of thing. Hmm. And one day, I bawa satu cucuk kodok lah. Satu clay. You know, yang mana tu, I makan clay <laughs> That That is the, the funny part of my kecil dunia kadang-kadang. And, Uh, my father tak dia tak pelik kalau I go into art line sebab dia memang mungkinlah mungkin dia tahu kita boleh hidup in arts kan cuma dia tak faham how we we kita belajar pada dia art is a gifted talent Pernah orang dulu kan yeah. Kalau dia pandai art tu Dia pandai gitu lah Tak ada school of art masa tu mm. So bila I masuk School of art and design Dia kata Dia, dia pasrah lah dia, dia yakin anak dia boleh buat I think rasa gitu So mm. Alhamdulillah It's okay for me Alright ah, fantastic Okay so <laughs> any other memorable uh, Stories or moments That you remember Throughout your uh, time Working on the monument I understand that I think uh, Mufti and Zulkifli You guys get this that Get to actually Climb up the monument um, During the final phase Of the work kan Oh yeah Happen yeah. There was the, Actually the monument uh, We did the monument In one year And one week uh. So one year The last uh, The one week Is actually the final touch That we should be doing uh, That we were doing then Then The final day What that is impromptu, and it just came out in our uh, in my mind or in our mind. Then I said, "Why don't we go up?" Because prior to that, Chris was telling us, "Why don't we put our name down there?" But back then, we n- never believed in putting our name there because our pride is different. You see, <laughs> we don't want people to know exactly what we are doing. Because it's not don't want to know, but we don't want to advertise our name actually. Mm. And we have people working with us together. So, the final day, the only thing that I could remember was that, why don't we climb up there? Hey, call our Asang guy. Asang is the one who really did well in Napani. He is our, what do you call, my teacher, as far as art welding is concerned. Mm. And told him, follow me. We are going up there. So, climbing all the up there, then the moment we reach upstairs, the, the, the top head, we say, I told Asang... Put our name there. You have to weld our name in there. That's how it was. And Joy was there. Just to make sure that uh, we have all the name that we want to put up there. And that's it. Then, then only, you can feel it. Is it like, suddenly, you know? <laughs> the pride is there. Before that, I don't have any pride. Uh, <laughs> then only, terus naik bulu rama, tau. Uh, I can tell you about it. <laughs> mm, all right. Once, once, once the work is done, uh, was there any like uh, ceremony of sort to commemorate it, or uh, there wasn't any um, ceremony of sorts in our presence? And they might have done something 
quietly. I don't know, really. Mm. But it was a funny thing when we finished it. We sort of went our separate ways very quickly. Mm. Um, we'd worked intensely for that time. And when that finished, I had my, my job to go back to Mara and I started another project at the same time, which took a lot of time. And Mufti went, ended up going to America. Mansour was oh, in yeah. France. <laughs> This fellow was still here but about to go to Indonesia and we kind of split up and went in all directions. And it was only... Well, what started this reunion off was about what, three years ago, I suppose, um, just before COVID. I managed to find this fellow, Zol, <laughs> on the internet with the Facebook, right? Mm. And I wrote to him and said, hey, it's me. <laughs> sort of thing. And... Um, so I got in contact with him and then through him got in contact with the Mansour. We couldn't find Mufti because he was in America. <laughs> so that took a few weeks. But finally these guys tracked him down mm. and then all three were in, in, in contact with each other again after 40-odd after years, you know. Yeah. And um, I proposed that we have a reunion because I felt at the time, oh, I still feel, that the, the project that we all did was a very important project. And uh, I really felt the importance of it, especially in later years. Strangely enough, didn't stop thinking about it. And um, so the reunion was uh, delayed because of COVID. And then when that finally went away, we had the opportunity to come here and um, have this reunion, which is a great thing to do. And um, I, th I think that this sort of leads into the... Um, Monument itself being a, a matter of historical importance, and I think that's, that is what is what's important about it. It's not just a work of art. It's not just a sculpture in someone's front garden. This is something quite different. This is um, a monument primarily to the end of the emergency, and they ended the emergency in 1960, and the monument was commissioned in 1963 and it was put up, as I understand, in 1966. In 1975, to prove the emergency wasn't over, the Communists blew it up. And um, our rebuilding of the monument is part of that historical narrative. And so they built it, they said, you're finished, the Communists. The Communists said, no, we're not finished, and they blew it up. Then we came along and put it all back together again and said, we're stronger than you. You can blow us up or we'll just come back and put it back again. And so the emergency went on. And I don't know how long it went on, but I believe it was until the 1980s before it was finally completely finished. And that story is told through the monument. And to me, that's what's really important about it. And that's why I wanted to have this reunion, because I knew that we probably wouldn't have this chance again. I mean, I'm 74 years old. Everyone here's over 70, since this young fella who's 69. <laughs> <laughs> you see, and because we're getting older, it was a really good opportunity to get together and revisit that thing that we did 46 years ago. Mm. Zulkipti, uh, Mufti and Mansur, what was it like uh, to be able to finally uh, be reunited again after close to 50 years, yeah, 46 years, right? You know, uh, the moment Chris tried to add friends with me on Facebook, I said, So, I just let go. After a few weeks, I started to book up, but still the request is there. So I 
Tengok background Oh my god This is the man that I've been looking So uh, I trust at friend And I pass this his, his page to Manso Because I dengan Manso memang the, the link Because we were together here The KL kan Yeah So the worst part is to find Mufti Because bila I type Mufti Jantan You know why Dia keluar Google je try Google sekarang Dia keluar Mufti Wilayah Mufti Selangor <laughs> You know that the worst part yeah. And then I, Without the word Mufti Dia keluar Jantan eh? I type Jantan Ayam Jantan <laughs> Oh my god Rupanya this man is carrying The better name is Anak Jantan <laughs> With a very strong name So finally I dapat, dapat bukti Of course We were together today mm. Alhamdulillah mm. Masuk ya, how does it like to actually track Mufti down? <laughs> this seems to be the most elusive one, it seems, yeah. Yeah, actually, before, prior to this, we, we had uh, one company calling us to be on the Zoom. Is it? Yeah, yeah. the one, the mm. one, one interview that you oh, were yeah, in. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. So, we were tracking Mufti also. We can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, we managed to get hold of Chris. Mm. Uh, so... It's how come, you know, the reunion by Chris. So, mm. alhamdulillah, today we are here. All right, yeah. Mm. Mufti, uh, yeah, you're all the way in America, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, after, when I left, I don't think much about it, you see. Mm. Because this is something that I did, and fair enough, I said I'm, I've done my work. And whatever proud, pride that I have, put it that way. Mm. But there was one occasion when I was doing my postgraduate school, I told my professor about the story, you see. And I said, Mufti, are you crazy? You don't. Care about it? <laughs> you better start thinking about it. Mm. See? Because this is something that is historical and you have to make sure that this thing goes on and on and on in terms of uh, what do you call that um, the aspect of the Tugu that who did it all those kind of things. He said better start calling all your people and get together. But that also I ignore it. You see? I just don't believe about this kind of thing. But on the other hand as far as I'm concerned, because I like to do research, see, I keep on like what he was doing. The, the, the moment I type Tugu Peringkatan Negara, everything come from the tourist section, you see. Mm. Nothing came out with ours. Yeah. If, if any, there are one or two few articles came out, but that was not 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 significant enough for me to know exactly what to do. Mm. Because I really want to know about Tugu after we did it. And nobody ever mentioned the restoration project at all. Mm. Then when these people came in and he started coming in, that I realized that we have to do something about it. The restoration project is very important. We have to be reunited and re- reunion is important too. At the same time, make sure that the four of us are the one who did the job. Mm. It was a job. All right, okay, yeah. So, based on what you said there, um, how important is it for at least, yeah, the people to not only know what you guys did, but also the importance of, I guess, remembering the narrative behind the the National Monument because I think um, Chris you 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 laid it out uh, nicely as well just now uh, how it signifies our victory against the communists right at that time um, but moving forward how do how do people you know how can people I guess to a certain extent remember not only the country's narrative but also the narrative of the of the National Monument and how do you guys want people to remember you know your efforts in it as well well obviously it's very important that people uh, understand the narrative and follow the narrative through 
but I, I get the impression that uh, a lot of young people today don't know anything about it. They don't really understand what was the confrontation, that understand the communist problem, that understand the what that era meant what that time meant to the local, well, to every person in the country at the time. And it's largely been left behind. And I think, I don't think there should be. I think it should be um, remembered by all people, really. I think that story is very important. And the story of the monument itself is important in that overall narrative. Mm. But the narrative that I think you're looking for is this re-education We want to re-educate our younger generation to know exactly what happened to our national peace. That is our Tugu Peringatan. There are two sections in our Tugu Peringatan. Just bear that in mind for me for a while. Mm. One is the, well, who did it? Who built it? And then what happened between, between those uh, times? And then at the, uh, during those times, we are under the threat of communism. Communism is number one issue in our country back then. But if you were to talk about people who are less than 40 years old today, I don't think they know what communism is all about, what's a threat to our country then, and how many people was killed then, were killed then. None of them, not say none of them, but very few, if any, really understand what the threat of communism during that era. So we are in the era of communist threat. And that is the one I think we have to re-educate our people right now who is below 40 to tell them the picture of the story. And the picture can start from our restoration project. The restoration project begins with what? That is the provocation that uh, came out before the Tugu was blasted. Because it came out in the paper saying, oh, we are done with communism. There's no such threat as communism. Three days later, boom, <laughs> that exploded, you see. So we must make sure they understand what that is all about. The bombing itself is not actually a big picture here. But the threat of communism until the late 80s is, was still there, you see. And everybody must know. And especially our young, younger generation. That's what I feel about it. And until today, if I have to re-educate these people, I must re-educate them through Tugunagara, restoration of Tugunagara. Mm. All right. John? Yeah, I do agree with Mufti because every year when we celebrate our Independence Day, it's always the Tugunagara who come first. But we fail to narrate the story of it. Mm. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Re-education, eh? Yeah, re-education. Mm. Yeah, I went to the uh, Museum Nagara only yesterday And they've got quite a large section in there on the communist threat in this country. And it, it charts a whole thing right through from about 1947, um, the assassination, assassination of Gurney, and the right up to the building of the monument, because not mentioned at all. And it carries on until the 1980s. And not a single mention or a single photograph or anything about the monument, which I think is a great pity, really, because the monument is a symbol. It symbolises uh, sort of the narratives I described earlier. Um, it's not represented there in the museum at all. Yeah. And you used to work there. Anyway, are you in the, in the era of that? Um, no, I'm no, slightly no. younger. Yeah. But, but you are well aware, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. 
Alright, okay. So, uh, any last words? I mean, uh, to reflect back on, on, I guess, your efforts and also your the, the work that you did with the monument. Um, apart from reflecting on it, did you guys ever think about, I, I guess, I guess, um, doing something similar again if you were to be given the opportunity? Yeah. I think we're all a bit too old now. Uh, <laughs> if you were to ask me, I think that that was the ultimate. Uh, beyond that, I don't think. Uh, I don't think we can do as much as what we did before. Yeah. The ultimate is always there, see. That's a, that's a time that you say, stop it, it's enough. <laughs> we, have, we, we did it and we accomplished everything that we need. What do you think? Do? Yeah, I do agree to. because yeah. today we are already in the bonus zone, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> we, we are in the seventh series, okay? <laughs> I would be quite happy to act as an advisor on such project, uh-huh. but that's all. <laughs> you see, you've got to remember back then, that monument was surrounded by scaffolding. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm, yeah. And all of us could run up that scaffold and down that scaffold, mm-hmm. not on a ladder, not on a walkway, Thanks. on the scaffold itself, <laughs> you know, and swing from one part to other like a monkey. <laughs> easily, <laughs> easily we could do that. And I remember being up to oh, I forgot something, screwdriver, and just boing, 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 all the way down, <laughs> and run into the workshop and just straight up again, easy. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> when you're young and fit and strong, yeah, you can do that. You can do anything, <laughs> but not now. Is it? Well, yeah. Not when you're in your 70s, yeah. I think so. It's funny when you think about it, trying to refresh whatever you did before. Mm. It's, it's not the same anymore. See? It's just that you can remember, but I don't think we can do exactly the same what we're doing oh, then. Good. It's totally sure, different. No, sure Good example like today, we yeah. went for a photo shoot for about half an hour. Yeah. I oh. was... Sweating, sweating. <laughs> we <up> profusely, <laughs> profusely. Everything is wet. But back then, we worked for one whole year. I don't even feel the sweat <laughs> going climbing up and down. That that is marvelous, is it? Yeah, but that was yeah, this is a photo. Then, right? yeah. one, one photograph of this fellow wearing a woolen hat. <laughs> <laughs> See how how is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, for maybe not for Mufti and Christopher, but for Zulkifli and Mansur, did you guys ever like you know go to the Tugu Negara once in a while just to check out you know what you've done, or do you go there often? Did you go there often? No, not really. <laughs> we just pass by. Stakanya Agassiz, after leaving the Tugu, I visited back. Four times, I think. Four mm. times. Uh, so after forty years, maybe ten years. <laughs> ten years. One. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I saw no Malawat Tugu, seeing the beauty of it. Cuma agak terkilan juga lah. Tengok maintenance is quite. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> and kurang sikit kurang lah. Mm. All right, I wish uh, that about yeah, the, okay. our our whoever is in, uh, in charge of that, make sure that the maintenance is good, mm. because it's a matter of time when we look at that. Is it? Mm. It's going to be. I'm not going to predict, but mm. something is going to happen. Is it? The maintenance must be done properly. Yeah, he's mm. not talking about the bronze work to be repaired. He's mm. talking about the stonework and various stonework. other things around and the place. The, the, the they l- really do need a bit of maintenance there. But like I said, the bronze work's fine. I mean, the, the, the I guess the physical aspect of actually taking care of the monument and the surrounding area is pretty important. But uh, beyond that, there is also a need to, like we've been talking about, recognize the importance of, of the and the significance of the national monument and also how we should go about I guess um, recognizing its its value right beyond just I mean not to say it's not important the physical aspect of taking care of it physically is important but also the the, the narrative that comes with it right 
I think the only way you can do it is uh, through education programs in schools. Mm. Uh, it's beyond that, I don't really see how you can publicise it anymore. It's well publicised in as much as it's known. You look on the internet, you'll find a million photographs of it. And so its, it's story, as far as my self's concerned, it was well known, but not the narrative that it carries with it. it that is not so well known. Mm. Macam I, I, what I was talking about is re education, kan? Yeah. So, what I can see that can be done with uh, the present Togo, just look what Iwo Jima in America is all about. What others capture that uh, in Britain or elsewhere is all about. What you can see that it's not only a matter for tourist attraction, but most importantly, it's for the kid to understand what a Togo Peringatan is all about. Mm. And for that, on that basis, What we can do is that, that there should be more school children coming in to see the Tugu. At the same time also, there must be some historical writer writes about it so that, so that those students who comes in knows exactly what's happening. That's what we can re-educate the people, the importance of the Tugu. Mm. If you are talking about the significant effect of Tugu, I think that is the one. Look at what happened and in elsewhere in Western country. They always have students from kindergarten level right up to college level. They will always come there and see whatever is hap- was happening then. Mm-hmm. And then the historical part of it is narrated by those people who were there. I think that is important also, if you ask me. But yeah, Today I was up at the monument and uh, speaking with one of the um, fellows up there selling paintings, and he's been sitting there, I think he said, for about 30 years, so quite a long time. And uh, he said that uh, normally, because at the moment, as you're probably aware, they're restoring the pools and they've got it closed off to the public. And he said that normally they have 60 coaches per day visiting that site. His business is very good at the moment. Of course, I don't think anything like that because it's closed off to the public. So also while I was there, there was a, another tour guide there. He had a group of about oh, half a dozen people and he was talking about the narrative that we're discussing here today. So it seems to me fairly obvious that if you've got 60 buses a day going in there and you've got tour guides that know their stuff, that know the real story, that... Uh, that would already go a long way towards uh, continuance of the narrative that that um, Tugo really deserves to have. Hmm. All right. Okay. And um, last question. Um, have you guys ever reflected on your, your I guess, jobs as, as sculptors or so and, and, and the significance of working on mo- monuments of this scale for any nation? Like, like, have you ever thought of, like, you know, the importance of what you guys did and what you guys are even currently doing right now and and perhaps you know and whether it's it's a profession that should be I guess recognized a lot more you know sculptors well artistic endeavors are, are a matter of for individual people if, if a person feels a calling towards um, an artistic endeavor an artistic um, pursuit they'll pursue it and the interesting thing about art is that it comes from in here in the soul the heart And you can't force that. So someone has no artistic ability would never be an artist. It's totally impossible. Mm. But someone that has art in their heart, it's inevitable that they will become an artist of some form or another. Bagi pengarca memang ada masa depan di Malaysia. Cuma you punya pilihan agak terhad sebagai pengarca 
There is no such a thing as human sculpture mm. anymore. Yeah, I believe because the, our, our our student got the college pun tidak digalakkan sangat untuk membuat arca-arca berbentuk patung. Mm. So, but the abstract side of it, yes. Kalau you boleh buat arca yang lebih abstract, you ada harapan lah. Mm. Yeah. So um, anyway. I I I menyambung I selesai tu negara I continue doing figurative that is I, I because ada pandai ada tahu macam figurative anatomy mana tu so I proceed I just do it I bought many queens for the museum tadi kebetulan tadi Chris pergi melawat visa he should be Mesti nampak hanya batang tu. Ah, okay. And basically the whole museum in Malaysia and sampai ke Korea pun ada about many queen. Ah. So daripada fiberglass. Eh? Mm. Okay. Mansur, MFT? Okay. Uh, as for me, the job is one part. Our patient is another part. Mm-hmm. So for me, I still proceed with my artworks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only thing. Mm-hmm. To me, simple. Once job is done, done. And but what made it important for me, the significance of that project is that it is a motivational factor for other incoming students going into that major area, mm. majoring in that area. That is a must. They must understand that what we did here, you what the four of us do, were doing then, you people can do it also. You see, that is my, my uh, if you were to ask me about what I, I think about being a sculptor or being an, uh, an artist. Beyond that, it's up to you again. Because if you have uh, a passion to be an artist, you have the compassion to, be, to, to work on this area, work it on. But don't stop. Don't give up. And this is what we were doing and you got, you saw what we did. As far as I'm concerned, I'm done with that. I'm moving out, <laughs> moving on, you see. <laughs> I move on to other area, all those kind of things. That was my choice. Huh? From from that into filming, into broadcasting, all those kind of thing, it's my choice. But you must. That's where you begin. You apne uh, go into that area, finish it off, and do whatever is necessary for you to come out just like us. Never stop doing it. Hmm. Itu saja. All right. Okay. And on that note, thank you so much. <laughs> You're always welcome. You've been tuning into I Love KL and we've been speaking to the folks that were responsible for restoring Tugunegara when it was partially destroyed in 1975. The individuals that were involved with the project are Christopher Carney and his students Abdul Mufti Jantan, Abdul Mansur Ibrahim and Zulkifli Maulana. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store. You can also find this show and many others on Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on X at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.